This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, that was Action Jackson. Did you need your mic turned up or turned down? Turned down? Is it too loud in your ear? Yeah. Is that why there's blood coming out of your ear? (laughs) So, Michael, start talking. He can take it. So, if you have legal matters that involve firearms... Oh, get out of there. That's my job. Oh, that's your job. I was just trying. Is that that sound better? Yeah. That's why you never take a day off of work right there. Someone will jump right in. I know. You see how I panicked I got there for about two (laughs) seconds? Hey, if you do have legal matters that involve firearms, then you do need to call our attorney, John Dillon. Especially if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant. Call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150 or go to his website, DillonLawGP.com. Awesome. So we have some we have some breaking news. I don't know if we I don't know if we prepared the uh, I don't Sounds know. like you surprised the breaking I, news I guy. I prepared the I probably should have told the breaking news. There it is. I wasn't ready. Yeah, I like that typewriter thing. Yeah. So, Walter over the Front weekend, uh, Front Sight, we've all heard of Front Sight. We've interviewed Piazza. We uh, we promote the uh, charity shoot every year. That's at Front Sight. Front Sight came out with a list of um, new charges. So, they're going to start charging. Basically, now, if you go, if you have a membership, you uh, you pay fifty bucks and you get to you know and they do your background check for that fifty bucks and you get to go all year you get to take as many classes as you want. Now they've implemented a bunch of new charges like uh, twenty five bucks a day for staff and twenty five bucks a day for the for the house and anyway it it a four day class is now somewhere in the three hundred dollar range from near as I can tell. Still doesn't sound like a bad deal. It's not a bad deal, but when you're used to paying nothing, you know. Or fifty bucks. Yeah. All of a sudden, maybe they need to make a living. <laughs> well, that's, that's I know it's an odd concept, are, right? We I know have, it's an uh, odd concept, but yeah. you know. Well, that's what we talk about entitlements in the government, right? Once yeah. you start something, you can't stop it. It's hard because then you got people complaining. Right. Well, it used it's to be right. free. How come it's not free? <laughs> I mean, I, I, what I do get, or, or you know, if you if you purchased your membership in the last like year or so, and you paid thousands. And you were under the impression you were getting something, and that just changed. I totally get why you're upset, but there are a number of us who've been going for like a decade, for and, and spending no money. And I was gonna say, how much did you pay? Yeah, so I, you know, um, I'm gonna Come miss. I, I'm probably not gonna participate. In the oh, new... you will too. No, I really, truly. Uh, in fact, the charity shoot's been canceled, um, which is was not my decision. The people that organized the charity shoot they canceled it. Um, so I'm probably not going to participate in the new pricing structure. I just heard that sheriff from last week is going to go, and that's why you're not going. Yeah, 
He's not a sheriff yet. He's yeah, a sheriff yet. wannabe. He's a sheriff wannabe. <laughs> First some... time you said something about it. Thank goodness. It took forever. <laughs> I didn't hear a lot. That was a famous interview. Yeah, but you Michael didn't want did. to say nothing. <laughs> Why? Because Michael was going really well, and I, I didn't want to real. I did. I just didn't want to jump in and say exactly what. He I liked was saying it when you anyway. stood up. That got, was the best part. I don't remember standing up. I must have been really mad. <laughs> you were pretty upset. <laughs> Yeah, I got some feedback on that. Did you get a little? <laughs> did, did he call you back? No. No, I didn't get any feedback from him. Oh. So his whole interview was nothing but feedback. By the way, I did hear that he's out of the race. He's, yeah. That was it. I got to tell you, just about. Uh, I mean, really? Yeah, he's he, he's got a, just about no shot of winning now. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, keep 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 in mind we will have our list of endorsements coming up here in about a month or two. So there we will. Ninety uh, percent sure we're going to have an endorsement for sheriff. So everybody, you know, sit down. what do you think of that? Who are you voting for, Jackson? Well, he looks at his mom. You know, I don't know. I can't vote. I'm too short. <laughs> you can't even reach the box. <laughs> How you doing, man? It's good to see you back. Good. I like your new haircut. Thanks. Yeah, it's very uh, high and tight. Did you enlist in the Marine Corps? Over the last week? No. No? Or did your dad cut your hair when you were sleeping? No. <laughs> did your mom cut your hair when you were sleeping? No. I like it, man. It looks slick. Seriously. It looks really, really good. How could you tell he's wearing a hat? Well, because I, I saw it when he had his hat off. <laughs> yeah. So it looks good. It shows, looks good. Shows How was the range yesterday? You went to the range, right? Yeah. And you went up to Paula. Yep. What, did, what was your favorite part? Do you remember? Uh, shooting the steel targets because I never shot a steel target. Oh, you like that bling, 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 bling? Yeah, you like that. Huh? He he ran a plate rack with his Glock in like what was it, mom and dad? Like like, like ten seconds, ran it clean. You can't even do that. I, I doubt I can. You're gonna have to teach me how to do that, man. No, I just want to see you run. No, 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 no. I don't mean. <laughs> you don't actually have to run. Oh, okay. <laughs> He just, uh, it's, what is it, like eight plates or something like that? And you shoot it. and it, Six. It, six plates, and they you knock it down, and he did it in like 10 seconds. Cool. Yeah. Did you open your eyes? Yeah. Okay, I'll just <laughs> check it, because you never know. Well, that's cool. It looked like you were having fun. Tell about the monster trucks. That's what was cool. Yeah. Monster See? trucks. You can have those guns. Grave digger. That's right. Who's your favorite? Obviously, Grave Digger. Obviously. Got his picture with uh, Anderson in the background. I was very impressed. Yeah. That was one of the heavy hitters. Who put their, didn't somebody put your sticker on their on their jalopy, on their car? Son it's, of a Digger did, actually. Ryan wow. Anderson. Wow. Uh, uh, Jackson, did you hear what he called a monster truck? <laughs> did you hear him call that a jalopy? The jalopy. <laughs> Should we ever talk to him again? Probably not. What do you think? Nice, nice big old automobile. We we call it a tin Lizzie as well. If you want to do that one. <laughs> oh, you're a, even worse. A, That's a cool name. Whatever. A tin Lizzie. Yeah, thank you. See, tin. Li- <laughs> he didn't hear it fix my clock. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. You might be. You might be. Uh, that might that reference might be before your time, Action Jackson. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> tin Lizzie. Well, that's cool, man. So you went monster trucks, and then you went to the range. You had a pretty full week, young man. Yep. Got a haircut? Got a haircut. Slept good? Real good. See? <laughs> Did you shoot any rifles when you were out uh, yesterday? Or just your handgun? Uh, yes, I shot my um, one sec, uh, my, my Ruger 10-22. Nice. Chambered in twenty two. Yeah, how did you like that? It was good, especially for shooting it in like a long, in 
I haven't shot in a long time, so I'm glad I got to get back to that. Yeah. 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 Well, those 1022s are really, really nice, too. Really nice shooting. Yeah. Nice yeah. flat shooting. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool, man. I'm going to, I need to get mine out again. I haven't shot mine in a while. That I won. That is, Dave, that is way too much gun for you. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I have two people hold it for me. <laughs> I won that at, uh, at Gun Prom. Hey, awesome. See? Nice. Gun Prom, June 18th. We're going to, we're going to be able to start buying tickets. Are you coming to Gun Prom again this year? Yes, I am. There you go. All right, cool. You bringing Chase? Yep. That'll be awesome. It'll be fun. So Gun Prom, June 18th, everybody. We're going to start selling tickets uh, in about a week or two in February. So uh, uh, come on out and have fun. Yeah. Possibly win a gun. So, or two. Yeah. yeah. So we had our, our monthly meetings last week. Those all went fantastically well. Um, thank you, Gunther's. And thank you, um, American Shooters. American Shooters. And then, of course, Labella, Labella's Pizza down in Chula Vista. What did you shoot down there? <laughs> oh, we didn't shoot anything. Oh, he just had a medium. Yeah, I shot some pepperoni. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, about I, it. Did you go to that? Did you go get some pepperoni? Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't make it. He, he didn't, didn't make it to the meeting. Yeah, he, he had a, he was he had other important business. Well, he's there. a very important guy. I got to go through his secretary. <laughs> yeah, just, that's right. You have a yeah. secretary. And also, speaking of... About the raffle? No? Oh, nothing yet. Nothing, nothing yet. yet. We, might, we might have an announcement later. Okay, so let's take a quick break. Because next, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. And are you allowed to defend yourself outside the home? Don't touch that dial. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Hi, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. AM 1170. The answer. Do you have the right to defend yourself outside the home? So Tom King from the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association suit of them versus uh, Bruin uh, is next. Maybe. Now we could talk about it anyway. Oh. All right. Well, that sounds like a plan. But first, <laughs> self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Make sure you are protected for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Listeners, you can get a free T-shirt when you use the code GUNOWNERSRADIO. Sign up today. Go to uslawshield.com. All right, so Tom has not called in yet. You didn't call in? Well, so, so Joe, what can you tell us? <laughs> oh, I don't want to interrupt Michael. Go ahead, Michael. What are you going to say? <laughs> so New York, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, basically there was, uh, it was extremely difficult to transport a firearm in the state of New York. Um, so, uh, you know, they had the Heller versus D.C. case in 2008, which affirmed that, yes, it is a, an individual right, so it's a civil right. And, but really, it just ruled on your right to, you know, there's, there's two rights 
in the Second Amendment. Your right to keep and your right to bear arms. So basically own and carry. And Heller versus D.C. weighed in on, on your right to keep because that's what it was all about. But it didn't really address carry. Carry. So that's what this case, hopefully, will uh, will do is address your right to bear arms. Um, it worked its way up to uh, the Supreme Court, and there were actually a couple different um, iterations, I guess, and there were a couple of different cases. We actually had our own case out here, the Peruta case, mm-hmm. which the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals said that we, you don't have a right to bear arms. You don't. You basically what really what they said is you don't have a right to a CCW. So they kind of. They kind of punted. They really they were in a tight spot. They didn't want to say, hey, you don't have a right to bear arms. So what they did is they said, you know what? You don't have a constitutionally protected right to be issued a CCW. What is this punting thing? I mean, if you worked for me and I said, Mike, I need you to do this project, and you just said, yeah, I just don't think I can do it. I'll just punt it down the road. How do how do we get a, how I don't understand how we get away with that. Well, so the the, the judges on the Ninth Circuit Court, uh, the majority of them still, are anti-gun. So it's not that they're anti-Second Amendment or whatever. They're anti-gun, they're, meaning that they don't like you having you know the, right. the ability to to own and carry a gun, and they want it severely restricted. So a case was put in front of them that was crystal clear. Sure. Basically saying, hey, look, if you can't carry open and you and you, and you can't carry concealed, you know, what do you do here? I mean, if, if it's illegal to open carry and the only option you have is to uh, get a CCW and carry concealed, then they have to issue those those permits. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very clear question. And they kind of messed around and, you know, uh, you know, Bob bobbed and weaved and, and uh, decided, you know what, you don't have a constitutionally protected right to a CCW. So suddenly they became strict constructionists, I guess, you yeah. know, and they said, well, it doesn't actually say CCW in the, in the constitution. Uh, I've been waiting for that one. So, well, and again, it, but it does say bear arms, right? It says keep and bear arms. So what, what does bear arms mean? You have to own a bear. And the same, well, the same thing. If you don't understand bear arms, then you certainly don't, don't uh, understand the, in, shall not be infringed part either. Well, I'm totally with no. you. Not only that, but I mean, if you compare that to other, other rights, um, you know, uh, the, the most famous and most controversial, of course, would be abortion. You know, they the Ninth Circuit Court agrees that you have the right to get an abortion. It doesn't say abortion anywhere in the Constitution. So it's totally hypocritical. You know totally. what I mean? So totally. and the reason it's hypocritical and the reason they put on blinders and, and went down this very, very narrow road is because they knew they were wrong, number one, mm-hmm. the judges. And number two, they, they were, were, you know, grasping, so they're trying anything in order to not have to say, hey, yeah, you have a right to bear arms, therefore CCWs have but to But who's going to call them on it? The Supreme Court. So the you Supreme, think? Well, so the Supreme Court, that's the next step. You know, you go to you go to court. And but then, they, if they don't want to hear it, they just go, yeah, it's been a bad day. So they didn't want to hear that case. And there was another carry oh, case okay. out of New York that they didn't want to hear. But what ended up happening is one of the reasons the Supreme Court takes a case is that there is a split. You know, half one one district says yes, the other district says no. So part of the you know Peruta case, and that does make them take it. That's one of the reasons they they have to take it. So I just heard that Tom King, the executive director from the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, is on. Tom, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. So we were setting some of the context for your case. Why don't you uh, Why don't you brief us on it? Tell us Tell us a little bit about the case that you're involved in. 
Well, it, it started out that uh, the county that I live in, uh, there's there's a couple of judges who uh, have a hard time uh, giving pistol permits, never give concealed carry permits. And I received a, a bunch of complaints. So um, I, I brought it to the NRA and we discussed it and we decided it's a case to go along with. OK, uh, and uh, th- this was about about four years ago. It took that long to wind through the courts. And uh, finally, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals ruled against us, and we applied for cert to the um, to, to the Supreme Court, and had a lot of uh, amicus briefs filed, and they they took the case. So it tell us, argued, tell us yeah, a little bit about what what were the restrictions? If you're in, if this was a New York State, right? Not not the city, but the state. No, New York State. Okay, so New York State. What were the restrictions? It, it sounds like it wasn't direct carry. It wasn't a CCW thing. You weren't carrying for self-defense. It was, it was a general transportation thing? No, 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 no. What, and what this was is it was New York State, uh, rather than a shell issue, has a May issue, uh, is a May issue state, meaning that they can turn you down if they want to, if they feel that you don't have a good enough reason for having a, a, getting a pistol permit. Okay, tell us what a pistol permit is. A pistol permit is anything that you have to have. It's a permit that you have to have in New York State to own or possess a pistol. Okay. All right. But it's not a carry permit. It won't. It doesn't allow you to carry the pistol loaded. Well, it can be. It can be. Okay. Uh, and and uh, in, in in many counties in the state, they're extremely easy to get. In some counties, you know, it's fifty fifty whether you'll get it. And in other counties, you just won't get it. And if, okay, you, if, and if you don't have it, you can't you can't own or carry. You can't own or carry. But in if you, New York State, and if you do have it, you you can definitely own, and you may or may not be able to carry. Depending on whether they rest, uh, the judge, see the issuing officer in New York State. There's there, there's 62 issuing officers. Okay, uh, who someone in every county of New York State is an issuing officer. Most of the time, it's judges. Uh, sometimes county clerks, sometimes it's sheriffs. Okay, and uh, depending on the politics of the county and the, the issuing officer, uh, you may get a you may get a, a pistol permit that is restricted to uh, a sportsman's use, which means hunting, fishing, and hiking. Okay, or you can get it. Uh, you can get a concealed carry permit, which allows you to carry it anytime, anywhere, with the exception of the five boroughs. Of New York City. Did you say hiking? Sure. Okay. Interesting. That, that was just something that I th- that was just something that I threw in. Oh. Any, any outdoor activity. Okay. okay? I mean, gotcha. it doesn't specifically say hiking. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Gotcha. So, so if you just, I just want to recap, so you know, because we're we're here in California and people are in other <laughs> states, it, it works mm-hmm. a little different. So, if you want to, sure. if you want to purchase a firearm, if you want to specifically a handgun. Um, you have to go right. get this permit. Now, what's involved in getting the permit? Is there a test, or how do you get the permit? No, uh, there's no test. You have to take a you have to take a, a safety course, which is about. But uh, it depends on this depends on county too. Somewhere between three and four hour course, okay. And it's a it's very rudimentary uh, safety, and uh, you can't you can't handle the firearm. You can't shoot it during this course. And upon successfully passing the course, you uh, you put in you put in the application uh, for the permit. The, and the application is uh, all your personal all your personal information. You know, name, address, telephone number, social security number, 
and you have to supply uh, four personal references uh, that uh, the, the state or the issuing officer's county will check up with every person that you put down as a personal reference. They will, they will, check, they will check that out to make sure that the person that you've, you've is real, okay, and that he believes that you should be, you're capable of owning a firearm. So, so part of it is they're registering you as a gun owner. Part of it is they're uh, making you uh, go through a proficiency test. And part of it is they're doing a background check. Yes. Okay. But, but you can't do this in every county. So if I live in a county that won't allow me to get a permit or a gun, can I go to another county? No, no. You have to get it in the county that you live in. So I would have to move. Well, yes. Basically. Similar to California with, with our CCWs. With, with the CCWs. Yeah. Okay. So if you went into a county that basically didn't issue and you said, hey, I want to buy a handgun, and they, they're, they're, they were not you know, motivated to issue you one, what would be their excuse? They don't need one. They, they all I have to do is, and hence part of the reason for the lawsuit is, uh, they just said they they will just say that you don't have a good reason to own a firearm or carry a firearm. Interesting. Hmm. How much does this whole process now, cost? Uh, it's relatively it's relatively cheap. Uh, you know, um, depending on how much you get charged to have your fingerprints taken, you have to set, uh, submit some fingerprints anywhere from. Fifty to one hundred and fifty. Okay, and, and it's a life—it's a lifetime license. All right, so you go into a county that generally will issue, you, you, and and then it's and then even above and beyond that, it, it they they still may not issue. It, it can also act like a concealed carry weapons permit, and they may not give you that power. So they may say, "All right, you can own the gun, but you can't carry it around concealed for protection." Right? Yes, that and, that is true. They and, and what it's called is the restricted and unrestricted. Uh, license, okay, and uh, most uh, most of the counties uh, have some degree of restriction or others. Uh, and in in those counties, you can still get a concealed carry permit if they if they deem your uh, reasons for wanting it um, reach the standards that they've set. And, oh no! By the way, they don't tell you what the standards are. All right, we're gonna we're gonna hold them over. We're gonna talk. Yeah. To them. Okay. This is way too important. Yeah. I thought California was bad. <laughs> this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, does selling your home feel overwhelming? Well, it doesn't have to be that way. But Scott Vinson from Caldwell Bankers. Royal Realty, Scott Vincent is the perfect guide to help you sell or buy your home. Scott has also been a San Diego County gun owner board member from the very beginning. So if you're moving, let fellow Second Amendment supporter and real estate broker Scott Vincent help you sell your home and find you a new home anywhere in the United States. Call him today at 619-948-2459. Tell him you heard about him on Gun Owners Radio. That's Scott at 619-948-2459. Or you can go online to scottvinson.com, and that's V-I-N-S-O-N. Cool. All right, we're talking to Tom King. He is the executive director for the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. Hey, we were just talking about your case, uh, your carry case, and uh, we were talking about the difficulties that, that, that 
are uh, presented to New Yorkers uh, when they're trying to own or and or carry a, a firearm. But let's talk about your organization a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. <clears throat> well, uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association was founded in 1871. Uh, by um, a, a group of union officers, uh, two generals and a uh, and a colonel, and the reason that they they formed the association initially, it was a competition in shooting organization, was that the right after the right after the Civil War, they were so disgusted with the, um, the quality of the American American marksman that they decided to set up a a, uh, a an organization that would teach the people how to shoot. That, that sounds really, really close to the NRA. Were, were these the same guys that started the NRA as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, I'm, I'm sorry. Did I say uh, 1971 for forming? We were formed in 1871. Which I think was the same year as the as, as NRA. Was, was yeah, it the same? Nine, nine months before. Nine months before. Was it the same guys or no? Same guys. Same guys that set up the NRA set up yep. the uh, New York uh, State Rifle and Pistol Association. Awesome. Yep. And so you guys uh, you fight for the Second Amendment uh, on the state and uh, local level. Is that is that the idea? Yep, yep we do. Uh, we, um, you know, we run we run, we, we run uh, junior programs, uh, shooting all, all the shooting disciplines. Uh, we have state championships. We send teams to the national championships. Uh, we're we're pretty much all all involved with the shooting sports in New York State. Very cool. You know, yeah, and as, you know, as bad as as bad as it seems, uh, upstate New York is, is typically much better than than everything that you hear about in downstate. You know, the pistol permit process is is still onerous. It's not as bad as New York City's, but it's still onerous. And uh, you know, we 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 do what we do what we can. Okay. I also serve on the NRA board of directors. Very cool. And uh, yeah, and it's uh, you know we we work hand in hand with them day in day out. You know, and uh, they're uh, they're a big supporter uh, of our of, of our Second Amendment case. They've they've been been behind us right from the very beginning. And uh, uh, frankly, we couldn't have gotten where we are without the NRA. That's excellent, excellent. Uh, really appreciate that. So, where are we uh, currently with the case? You, the the arguments were heard a couple months ago. Tell us, give us a little briefing on 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 the status of the of the lawsuit. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and the, and the reason I say that is nobody knows because after the arguments are made, you know, you you can't submit anything else, you can't take anything else out of the argument. It goes to the Supreme Court. Uh, they you know they do their magic on it, look at all the amicus briefs, check the laws that are cited, and everything. And they don't release any news. We don't hear. We will not hear word one about it until the decision comes down, which we're, we're thinking is going to be somewhere from the middle of May to the middle of June, somewhere but, in that area. But it was it was the arguments were heard in front of the nine justices what two months ago, right? Yes. And right. I, is the head attorney? Is it is it is it Paul Paul Clement? Paul Clement. Okay, Paul Clement. Yeah. And he's Paul is as Paul is the former solicitor general of the United States under Bush. And a great attorney, he's he's argued many many cases in the Second Amendment, and he, he did a really good job on arguing this. Yeah, he's huge. He's he's as yeah. big as it gets. Um, yeah. So so how do you feel the the arguments? How do you feel the justices responded? Was there anything in particular that that stuck out to you? 
Well, there was one question when uh, the attorney general uh, lawyer was attempting to make a uh, make a statement and uh, justify uh, what they called sensitive areas that maybe you shouldn't be able to carry a, a, a pistol in, okay, a concealed pistol in. And they they were saying that New York City was one of those. And Roberts asked the question. So, oh, and and she went on to say that. Uh, she could understand why people who were out hiking or fishing in, in the wilds of upstate New York would want to have a pistol with them. And Roberts, Roberts asked her, so, so you're telling me that more people are mugged and attacked in the, uh, in the outdoors in upstate New York than there are in New York City? <laughs> yeah, I like you know, that a lot. Just, what, what was the reaction? Yeah. Uh, that was the reaction. Uh, <laughs> Didn't say a word. Didn't didn't have an answer for it. Well, we're we're pretty proud. You know, we're uh, we're here in San Diego, and San Diego uh-huh. was uh, was talked about as an example of uh, of a successful. Um, you know, we were basically not issuing, and now we're just short of of shall issue, and and we were held uh-huh. up during the arguments as a as a success story, which we're very very proud uh, of that. Absolutely, I, I I remember reading that. I've read. I've read through uh, almost all of the amicus briefs, and, and that was mentioned mentioned in it. And, and I do remember the uh, that those that comment about San Diego. You know, that's great, and that's that's the way it will be all over anywhere, anywhere that in the United States that the laws have been loosened and the lawful citizen of this country has been given the right to carry a permit. Crime has dropped, and uh, a violent crime, gun crime, every, it's become a safer place to live. But that's something that the anti-gunners just will not acknowledge and, and try to and, and, and try to say just the opposite. I don't know how many times it's been said to me, you know, what do you want? You want to, you want this to be a cowboy town, blood running in the streets, like the OK Corral, you know? And and, and that just doesn't happen. It's it's been proven time and time again. Yeah. It, well, so out here, the law didn't actually change. It was the. Uh, um, uh, the NRA and Paul Clement was a part of this case as well. We, we they uh, uh, NRA sued the sheriff because it was entirely up to him uh, as far as issuing. Uh, the Ninth Circuit yeah. ruled in the sheriff's favor and said, "Nope, we're not going to compel him to issue CCWs." Um, but it was mm-hmm. our, our group, uh, San Diego County Gun Owners, we put a ton of political pressure on him, and he started to issue. And now they're very proud of their CCW. Um, uh, program. They're actually really proud of it, and they're they're pumping out maybe two hundred a month now. And generally, if you pass the background check, if you pay the fee, you fill out the application. Generally, you're going to get a CCW. Now, you still have to write good cause, but um, it's it's uh, he's he's basically spelled out. This is what we're looking for when it comes to good cause, and and it really nobody nobody falls short. So it's been very successful. That's really great. In our lawsuit, if if we're successful at it, and the, the Supreme Court ruled that way, uh, the need for good cause is going to be done away with. If you're if you're not otherwise prohibited, uh, the the court may very well say that the Second Amendment rights guarantees you guarantees you the the right to carry a, a pistol concealed to protect yourself. So that let's talk about that. What do because I, I get that I get this question a lot. You know, well, what's it going to do? What's going to happen? What would you say, Tom? Do you think the best case scenario is that they just they, they get rid of the the good cause requirement? Everything else stays. You got to pay the fee. You got to go through the background check. Got to you know go through the class. 
but but they yeah. just get rid of that well, good cause requirement. You think that's the most likely? Yeah. Or? Well, I don't think they'll. They, I don't think they'll get a, they'll get away from the uh, you know the the requirement for a pistol permit and all that because the uh, in Hel- it was either Helen or McDonald. I don't remember which one for sure right now, but it gave the uh, gave the states the permission the permission to um, to set up uh, some kind of a regulation to control that. Okay. But they didn't go far enough on it, and that's what that's what our lawsuit. That's what we're hoping our lawsuit is going to do. It's going to, besides saying that you had, you had. I'm sorry, I'm we're at a little party at a little, at my little house. football party. No, that's okay. I yeah. appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, and um, the uh, it, it, they're they're going. They're, they're we're hoping that they're going to do a couple of things. One. Do away with the, the the need the need cause, and say that anybody who is a uh, is a lawful citizen and not otherwise prohibited by law, you know, from having a criminal background or whatever. Okay, from uh, we'll, you'll be able to get a concealed carry permit. And we're also hoping that they're going to change the uh, the method that they they look at this on. Uh, uh, the, the scrutiny levels that they use. Most most Second Amendment cases uh, are looked at with intermediate scrutiny. All other civil rights are looked at with uh, strict scrutiny. And we're hoping that, that, that they made comments about that in the Heller, <clears throat> excuse me, the Heller decision. And we're hoping that they're going to demand that that's how Second Amendment cases are looked at from now on. Now, what that will that will do? If, 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 you're, if you're in our audience and you don't know what that means, you don't know what strict scrutiny means, how would you describe uh, that change in, in how the justices you know, analyze these cases? In intermediate scrutiny, the states or the municipalities have the ability to argue that the common good or the common safety is reason for limiting a uh, constitutional right. Strict scrutiny says, uh-uh, you can't do it. So it, it basically, it kind of gets rid of that, you know, think of the children, you know, that that whole, like, right. yeah, kind of gets rid of that emotional, yeah. you know, like, well, gee, golly, gosh, people, you know, I, I get you. So do you think that the, um, so we're not going to get open carry? I, I know a number of people are, are wondering. No, that, that's not going to. That's not going to happen. Not even an option. Not, and, and that's that, that makes sense. It's no. it's not a part of no. the case. Not even being entertained. The most not likely, not not with this lawsuit. Not with this lawsuit. The most likely scenario is uh, just getting rid of the good cause requirement. The thirteen sentences we have to write to the sheriff that explains, you know, why we uh, why we might be in danger of being attacked. That'll go away. Sure. Everything else will stay in, in place. Yes. Yes. As far as I know, it depends on, you know, you just don't depends. know how yeah. you don't know how they're going to rule. I mean, they may do a really wide decision that says, you know, all that stuff has to go away. But you, you don't know. OK. And right. it's second guessing, second guessing the, uh, you know, the Supreme Court is is near impossible. Well, how can people support if people are listening and they think, "Man, this is great! I want to give ten bucks." Where do they go? Uh, well, you can go to our website, um, www.nysrpa.org, www.nysrpa.org, and there's a button on there you can press to make a donation. And, and may may I do an unabashed commercial? Quickly, sure. For myself, very quickly. Okay, uh, I'm running for re-election to the NRA board of directors. Uh, this year, the it's going to, the ballots are going to be in the magazines as usual. 
please vote for me. I need your support. Tom King, Executive Director, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association. Thank you for joining us. All right, folks, Thank we're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. The answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. So we're supposed to coordinate for this uh, intro here, right? <laughs> Maybe we should, we should do like a little barbershop quartet thing. <laughs> All right, hey, most companies nice. waste a lot of money on marketing. And the reason why is because they don't have a clear message. You're wasting money on your website, your social media, and your advertising if you don't have a clear, easy-to-understand message. Sage Tree gets it. Since 2005, Sage Tree has been helping companies clarify their message and connect with customers. Contact them today and learn more about their proven system to help you get a better return on your investment from your marketing dollars. Go to sagetree.com and learn a whole lot more. So the county, in their infinite wisdom, they are voting on Tuesday for a, a couple things that have to do with firearms regulations uh, in, in, the, in the county. Um, they're going to vote on a storage. The, the regulation they're going to vote on has a storage component, which means you have to store your, your firearms um, either locked in a safe or inoperable, you know, taken apart and inoperable. Not your headboard? Nope. Nope. Okay. You, unless you're touching the firearm. Oh, I do. I sleep with it. I got my hand inside. <laughs> it's just in there? Well... That's a little scary, number one. but um, Crampy, too. <laughs> hopefully you don't have any bad dreams. <laughs> um, it, so, And this only affects the unincorporated areas. So the jurisdiction doesn't reach into the cities. There are 18 cities in San Diego. Uh, San Diego and Del Mar and Encinitas and Santee and El, El, El Cajon, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, yep. All of them? I mean, Alpine. Alpine's not not a, an incorporated city. Um, oh, but but it affects me. It affects you. Yeah. So Lakeside, Alpine, Julian, right, okay. it affects you. Del Cerro. And, Oceanside, and, San Marcos, right. Vista, Carlsbad doesn't affect them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you, if you live in the unincorporated areas, you're going to have to store your firearms. Uh, unless you're actually touching them, you have to store them um, inoperable or, or locked up. That's That's part of it. The other part of it is if you're looking to manufacture your own firearm, you're looking to make a firearm from scratch, you have to, you can only buy the raw materials that are already serialized. Now, where do you get that, Dave? Well, I'm I'm building a howitzer, so <laughs> I don't know. It's because it doesn't exist. But you can't but, buy it. And how are they going to? How are they going to administer this? Well, they just basically they they turn it. It's a crime if you're if you if you have a, a chunk of metal or or whatever, yeah. but usually a chunk of metal. And they they say, hey, that's a, a precursor of a of a firearm, and it's not serialized. Well, now you're a criminal. But what if it's not? What if it's not a? a, a well, then you got to prove it in court, right? But okay, what well, they're what they're really targeting are the eighty percent kits. Yeah, but let's go back to sure. the. I got to sleep with all my guns in bed with me now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, how are they going to? How are they? I mean, well, it's got the, all the characteristics of the perfect California law because it's it's unenforceable. Yeah. 
makes no sense. Okay. It actually makes it more dangerous for people. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about county politics and the things here. And, you know, one of the reasons you get this kind of stuff, and it goes back to what, what Michael always says about getting the right people mm-hmm. in office and stuff. Whenever I talk to, um, you know, when I talk about San Diego County gun owners at class or in these seminars and stuff, you know, I always talk about how, you know, two things that we do. We try to get, um, or the two reasons we do what we do is we try to get um, good Second Amendment-friendly people elected throughout the county, throughout the cities and the Board of Supervisors, pretty much any elected office out here. And for two reasons. For, you know, the one reason, if you get the wrong people in office, you get this kind of goofiness. And and we see that all the time locally. And then the other reason is, you know, the bad people that end up in Sacramento and Washington start locally. And it's much easier to influence local elections than it is to influence Mm -hmm. state elections. And just from last week, we were talking about this um, off air. The uh, the guy that was running for sheriff that you uh, interviewed last week, yeah, nice and, guy. Nice and, guy. Well, I, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I got a bunch of uh, people talking to me about that interview. They loved it. But you know, with that guy, and and this is something you see locally, and this is something I used to do actually before I got involved with San Diego County gun owners. Um, when you see somebody running locally, a lot of times you don't know a lot about them. You know, with the state offices and federal, you know all those people yeah. a lot of times. But locally, you don't. And what you'll see is, okay, that's the Republican guy they're endorsing. All right, I'll vote for him. Yeah. And this guy in particular, you know, claims he'll probably get the Republican endorsement, I would imagine, here uh, if he stays in the race. But, um, you know, he claimed the same thing, the military background. And, you know, and I took a look because he's saying, okay, military, 30 years in the military and then uh, a beat cop. So, well, how does that work? And I looked and there was some really good information on the um, – what is that? The organization, it's the um, the Honorary Deputy Sheriff's Association. Right. They had a nice blurb on each of the four candidates and they had a whole bunch of information. And it turns out, yes, 30 years in the Marine Corps, but like 20-something of it was in the reserves. And, um, you know, anybody that's been in the service knows that there's a huge difference between 30 years active duty and 30 years as a reservist. You know, and, and they say these kinds of things. And, you know, from the interview last week, obviously the guy's not – um, honest, not honest, not a pro Second Amendment person at all. But he seemed but, offended that you questioned his motives. Well, that's that's par for the course with with candidates. They, no, they, but I mean, he really, I mean, he was taken back that you were so upset with his, you know, way of looking at things. But see, people tend to vote for people like that. Okay, he's the Republican. Uh, all right, I'll vote for him. Not really knowing, not right. really understanding. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you need to look at that kind of stuff at the county level and, you know, the local level, because that's where you get people like that that you just don't know. And here's the other piece of that. So on Tuesday, they're going to vote for these two regulations, the storage and the, uh, you know, basically banning the manufacture of firearms, that, you know, banning the 80% kids. Um, what chance do we have to stop that? Probably about somewhere between slim and none. None. Now, we need to, and please, if you got our email the last couple weeks, go in there. We're asking you to please email the three supervisors that voted against this. Please do it. Please email them. Please you know, make your voice heard. Who are they? The three that voted for it. That voted saying. for it. Yeah. Voted who, against us vote for the who, regulation, who which are, are of course, Nathan Fletcher. It's his, it's his baby. Okay. Um, and then uh, Lawson uh, up in North County, and then uh, Vargas. Vargas down in South County. Okay. So email them and say, hey, I'm, I'm you know, t- 
totally against this thing, please vote against it. Make sure your voice is heard. But the chances now, this is a Hail Mary. This is fourth quarter, one second mm-hmm, left. Mm-hmm. We're on the, you know, one. We need a 99-yard, you know, yeah. touchdown pass. You know, how often does that work? Well, it doesn't. It hardly ever works, if mm-hmm. ever. So, um, but what does work? Well, getting the right people elected. That definitely works. That's not a Hail Mary pass. So, uh, what what Joe's saying goes hand in hand with what's going on on Tuesday. You know, we can't continue to rely. I, you know, people ask, well, gee, what are we going to do? San Diego County Governors, what are we going to do? We're going to do our best. Uh, but once they're in office, they're, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've lost a lot of the leverage we have. Now we got to go get them unelected. we got to, you know, but getting people elected, like we saw in La Mesa with Laura Lothian, we can get people elected. Now, unfortunately, uh, we should have one more person on the county board, and that's uh, Kristen Gaspar, but she, uh, w- we couldn't quite get the support to keep her in office. If she were there now, we, this wouldn't be happening. And, uh, you know, that's that's an important, you know, elections have consequences. That's mm-hmm. an important thing to know. And even even her, by the way, she was not our friend at the beginning. People who've been with San Diego County gun owners uh, long enough know that we have a uh, we helped convert her to our side and to vote our way. So um, anyway, it's it's really, really important. Um, it, you know, it, and this stuff spreads. You know, they didn't just think this stuff up in San Diego. It came from somewhere and it's not going to stop here. Um, so it's really, really crucial, and it's it's really unfortunate. But hopefully, you hear this uh, and don't get discouraged, but you get encouraged and empowered to help us going into the election season because we're probably about six, eight weeks away from having a list of endorsed candidates that yeah. need your help. And don't think sending a text or an email is a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. Well, a lot of people think that. Yeah, it's not a waste of time, but uh, it's better to get ahead of it. Yeah, if you if that's the only thing you've done, you're not. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a waste of time, but it's nowhere near enough. Right. You know, um, we need people to uh, do the things it takes to get the right people elected, so that uh, little guys like uh, Action Jackson have a future when it comes to the Second Amendment. So, well, people should get involved in that stuff. Too. Nathan Fletcher's running in November, right? He is. And, He's a Marine. Yep. <laughs> yeah. See, and it's the same thing. <laughs> you know, it's uh, used to be a Republican. I know. Uh, um, well, he he and the the guy that runs the Democratic Party both are anti-gun. Both are were in the Marine Corps. Both used to be Republicans. Uh, his name's Will uh, Kennedy uh, Rodriguez. He was the uh, I think I, I think I got his name right. Probably couldn't shoot. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that two of the highest ranking Repo- are Democrats in San Diego County used to be Republicans. Doesn't that doesn't that indicate that uh, Republicans do everything better, including uh, yeah. be Democrats? <laughs> they're even better at being Democrats than Democrats. Anyway, we're nonpartisan. Um, <laughs> always got to say that. But get involved. Check out our email. If you didn't get our email, email us and say, "Hey, I want to get involved. I want to start." Well, it's on the website, email. right? Well, this information is not, but to but to get a hold of to get the information from the email, just let us know. We'll we'll forward the email. I'd to send you. another blast out. We're probably going to send another blast out, but if you didn't get the email on Thursday, you won't get the blast either. So we need to hear from you. Um, if you're not getting our emails, join, become a member, or at the very least, just come, just you know, sign up for our uh, mm-hmm. our email list and help us out because, like I said, this is a big hail mary. But there's a lot more coming down the pike, and we need your help. We need all your right. help. We need your dime and your time. That's all you got in politics is people like and money. That. That's a good one. You know, that could be a T-shirt. I know. Dime and time, right? How many dimes do you have, Jackson? A lot of dimes. You have a, lot of, right. you have a lot of dimes? Right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. 
The Answer. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Safe storage laws and scary ghost gun bans. Next, with Joe Dramisi. But first, PRMI Mortgage. PrimeRes.com slash Alpine. Are you in the military? Are you looking for help for a VA loan? Or if you're just looking to buy a refi? Or maybe you're considering a reverse mortgage? Call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or primeres.com slash alpine. Well, Joe, tell us about safe storage laws. Are you ready? You sure? Always yeah. ready. Right. <laughs> we had a good setup in the last So, um, Yeah, it's interesting. The timing is uh, coincidental, too. I was What got me thinking about this, um, I was reading a uh, one of John Petrolino's articles uh, last week, uh, and John had written about um, there's a rep from uh, Michigan, and uh, Alyssa, I guess, Slotkin, and um, she's proposing pretty much the same thing at the federal level that we're talking about here with the safe storage uh, thing. And she's basing it on, remember there was a shooting a month or so ago at a school up in Michigan, the... Um, the parents, I guess, had provided the gun to the, yeah. the kid, and now they're they're after, they're going after the parents for all that. So, using that as the pretext, um, she's uh, going forward and uh, you know presenting the safe storage you know law at the federal level. Everybody, and it's pretty similar to what they're talking about here. But it was interesting. That's what got me thinking about it. And you know, it's always the same stuff. Again, we we just talked about the the guy that may or may not still be running for sheriff. Um, but saying he was a, you know, a military guy and had this background and that background. And this, this representative, this Congresswoman, um, has the same thing, you know, three tours in Iraq, uh, grew up with a gun owning family. So allegedly she is a big second amendment supporter and everything just needs, um, you know, we just need good common sense gun laws. So we need to lock things up. So that's, um, you know, reading John's article, which was, uh, which is really entertaining. It's a really good article. Um, got me thinking about it, and then just coincidentally, ooh, look, we're doing that here now with Nathan Fletcher. Right. And, um, you know, thinking about that, we talked a little bit about this in the last segment. And, you know, having these 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 gun laws, it's like, uh, especially this one, 
uh, with the safe storage thing, I mean, what does it accomplish really? Uh, you can't, you know, you can't make people responsible. I think fortunately, probably 99% of gun owners are already responsible. They know what they need to do. They keep control of their firearms. They make sure that people that shouldn't be around them aren't around them and they do what they need to do. Um, the ones or the 1% that doesn't do that, you know, a law is not going to make them do that. You're either you're responsible or you're not responsible. And, um, you know, so, so in that, uh, in that context, I guess the law really isn't going to do much. If, um, you were foolish enough to follow that, we were talking about this a little bit earlier too, um, where it's, it's almost more dangerous. I mean, a lot of people have firearms around the house for self-protection. Okay, if you have to keep this thing disabled or if you have to keep it locked up, it's really not not useful to you, I think, is uh, you know, for self-protection because that stuff happens fast. If you watch um like John Korea's videos, things like that, occasionally they'll have home invasion um footage and stuff like that. It happens very fast. People can come through your door, you know, with a good kick uh pretty much as fast as I can get through my door with a key. You know, and it's um you got seconds to react or to do something. And, uh, if your gun is locked up in the safe, you know, it might as well be in New Jersey. I mean, it's not, it's not going to be useful to you. And this is something else, um, that I learned in my journey, um, with this stuff when I started carrying concealed, uh, cause I was coming home at night and I was taking the gun off. I was locking it up in the safe and I was laying in bed one night and I was thinking, you know, if something happened, I, the gun's useless. I mean, I could never get to it in time. I could never get it out. I could never do anything with it. And uh, it's funny because I talked to my wife. I said, hey, would, would it be okay if we just had this thing out here at night? And Certainly. It'd be great, which I was uh, I was almost surprised. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, if, I mean, again, if I you're like going to lock that stuff up. I like her up, excitement level there. Well, the Good thing, you, yeah, it was really, uh, it was it was, was exciting. <laughs> but the, um, you know, the thing about it is people need to be be free to manage their own house. You're, you're talking about a law that, that intrudes in your house. And like we were saying uh, off air a little bit, um, you know, my situation in my house is different, say, from Kelly and Walter, Jackson's parents, um, and how they manage firearms in their house, which might be different from how Michael has to do it. It's, you know, it depends. Do you live by yourself? Um, you know, do you have children around the house? Are your children grown or their grandchildren around? So everybody's a little bit different. And to try to make a law like that to, to say, okay, everybody has to do this, or everybody has to do that. I mean, it's, it's silly. It makes no sense at all. Well, and there there are two numbers. Um, you know, there are people that are uh, who are, are, are who are there are about thirty thousand people that 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 die and where a, a firearm is involved every year, something like that. Two thirds of that, right? It's about thirty thousand. About two thirds yeah. of if that. If you're going to count the suicides, is that where you're going? Two thirds yeah. of that are suicides. Um, a storage law isn't going to really going to stop any kind of significant number there. I mean, is there? You know, are, are there some? Uh, uh, some folks in, in there that, that maybe had the gun been like, I don't know, maybe, right? Well, some, maybe some. But the bigger number is the three million times per year someone uses a firearm to defend themselves. Well, see, and it's definitely going to stop there. Yeah. And the argument about, and you, you'd made this comment a couple of weeks ago, we had some people on here that we we're talking to about mental health and firearms and things like that. And you pointed out, you know, there, are, and there are a number of countries, uh, Japan seems to be up at the top. Yeah. in terms of suicides around the world, many more, um, you know, and a much higher rate of suicide than we have in the United States. And yet no one in Japan owns a firearm. And there's several other countries that have higher suicide rates than we do. So it's not really, the suicide thing is a disingenuous argument, I think, because it's not, 
it is not a gun issue. It's, it's a mental health issue. It's a different thing. But, you know, the, in the counter argument to that, they come back and say, well, well, a portion of these suicides are impulse uh, type suicide. They're impulsive actions. You know, if, if the person gets past that, that period, that short period of time where they have that suicidal impulse, then, then maybe they won't. So, so let's say that's true, Joe. Mm-hmm. Let's say that that's accurate. Let's say that there are a number of people in, buried in that 30,000 um, where had, had they not been able to access a firearm, they, you know, there, there, there wouldn't have been a death. Let's, let's just, let's, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, but how many is that compared how many of the 3 million people per year who defended themselves, you know, in some way, how many of those 3 million wouldn't have been able to defend themselves had they not had access to a firearm as quickly because it's inoperable, it's locked up, whatever. And then compare the two. I mean, I think we're talking, is it a handful of people that, you know, hey, maybe had it been locked up, they'd still be alive? I, I, maybe it's a handful. I don't know. But it's definitely far fewer, far fewer. So if you're really just looking at this thing, unemotional, you're, you're not, you know, you're looking at it, uh, you know, you're not really talking about rights. You're not really talking about emotions. You're just talking about pure numbers. You're, you're just looking at it like a CPA would. Well, Oh, yeah, but they let, don't look at it that way, though. I mean, it's, let, a, it's, it's a net positive. Let oh, me, absolutely. Let me, okay, so here's a question. How many times have there been a home invasion and the, the people inside were, you know, were killed? How many of the police reported that the guy had a gun safe, he was right close to it, and couldn't get it open? Yeah, you would probably never hear. I mean, it, it's going to be hard to get that kind of information well, or hear that kind of information. I don't know that number, but, but it's. It, but it but you know. It doesn't, it, it's preventable. Well, that's what I'm you saying know? because yeah. if somebody comes blowing through, I mean, but but the police are not going to report that. Right. right. They're, they're never going to report that, which, which makes this whole conversation even even worse than what it already is. I mean, if people were upfront, honest, and that kind of information was automatically part of the police report, well, then it, you'd have some statistics. It may be, but it would never go beyond that. The media is never going to pick that up. They're never right. going to talk about it. So you won't you won't find that information. But again, you know, you can't you can't look at it as, you know, why are they doing this? It, it's not a public safety thing. It's not no. an anti-crime thing. That's my point. Yeah, it's a control thing. So you can read about it this week. Um, to, and it was interesting, the comment made about, you know, New York. What do you want, back in the cowboy days with blood all over the roads? Well, yeah. Haven't no, they been watching the news? They just had four police officers Haven't shot. Haven't they been watching the news? In New York City. They've already got yeah. it. They just don't know it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up next, Morgan Bayless is next to talk about doxing gun owners. Right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM. 961 AM 1170. The answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. So Assembly Bill 173 requires the Department of Justice to release gun owners' private information to UC Davis and other universities. Just signed by Gavin Newsom, this bill is a huge privacy rights breach. But first, American Shooters is the newest gun shop in San Diego and the Gun Owner Radio's newest show sponsor. If you're looking for a great gun gun shop for any of your firearm needs, go visit American Shooters. Tell Ernie you heard it about them on Gun Owners Radio. They have a great selection of new and used and consigned firearms. Visit American Shooters at 1464 graves avenue off the bradley exit in el cajon 
All right. Morgan Ballas, the Chief Firearms Instructor for Defensive Tactics and Firearms and San Diego County Gun Owners uh, Board Member and Personal Friend and Fine Judge of Scotch. And he loves spaghetti from Denny's. And he loves spaghetti from Denny's. <laughs> Who doesn't? How bad could that be? Yeah. How you doing, Morgan? Doing great, doing great. I'm definitely not a Denny Spaghetti fan, but I appreciate the <laughs> the rest. The, uh, hey, 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 hey! Have you tried it? Yeah. Have you- I could not bring myself to. Although I, I, it did take me three tries on um, on gas station sushi to realize that's a bad idea. Oh <laughs> well, that's if you ever go to lunch yeah. with Mike. That's one of his gourmet choices, right? Like gas station sushi? No, or no, 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 spaghetti. All right, judgy. All right, listen, uh, thanks for being on the show, man. How you doing? Do- doing great. I appreciate you uh, having me and talking about something that's that's definitely really important. Yeah, so AB-173 passes, and I think it's, it's kind of one of those. What is AB-173? AB-173 is basically they're going to allow um, uh, gun owner information to be passed off to gotcha. uh, the academic world. Yeah, and that was under the guise of research, right? They're supposed to be able to – it's supposed to be um, universities and other organizations. Right. right. It's based – what it really amounts to is uh, universities in California that want to do research that will result in, you know, uh, evidence that'll, that guns need to be banned. Um, they're going to give them as much uh, government information as, as, they, as they need in order to get to that conclusion. That's, that's, that's the way I see it. Um, but it is, you know, Morgan. Obviously, it's 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 one of those. It's bad, but I don't think people realize how bad it is. I don't think people realize why it's bad. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So first of all, um, I'm about four years into my PhD, and um, so I'm, I'm very familiar with the academic process and using human participants and and just that whole aspect of research and research is phenomenal research is something i don't care what side of the aisle you're on that we should all encourage because data is powerful um data should drive our policies it should drive our training our curriculum um all those things however there are some very specific ethical considerations especially when we're using um, human participants and i really feel Um, from a research perspective that this bill and by proxy uh, UC Davis, who specifically named um, 173, essentially establishes the CA or or the California Fire and Violence Research at UC Davis. Um, I feel like they're violating their their own policies when it comes to human research and getting consent. They're violating the fabric of the National Research Act and the Belmont Report. So for me as a researcher, I step back and I say, man, th- there's some potentially very negative consequences for participants in this study, and those participants are um, gun owners in California. Well, and these aren't these aren't willing participants either. We we didn't uh, nobody asked me if I wanted to participate in this. So I, I think yeah, the the potential for yeah, abuse the, there is tremendous. I think. I, I, I think it is, and and here's why. Um, you know, the, the, the NRAILA uh, lawsuit specifically says that people provided this information specifically for law enforcement purposes, um, not uh, researcher to be used in any other capacity. But when we, we talk about informed consent, and the reason that that's important in research 
is because there are potential consequences for those participants, right? And as a California gun owner, if my information does get released in some way, then I can face those consequences. I can face maybe financial consequences from an employer that doesn't agree with my position, societal consequences um, if people, you know, the church I attend or those around me no longer want to interact with me. Um, there's all those consequences. And, and the problem with this and not asking gun owners to provide their consent is there is there is zero way, there is no possibility that this information can be completely controlled. Meaning, let's just assume UC Davis and all the people that have their hands on this at that institution would 100% protect our personal information. As they share that, the number of people who get their eyes and hands on this becomes compounded. And those individuals along that process they might see it as, hey, I have a responsibility to share this information. And here's where we know that this is a true possibility. If we go back to New York in 2012, what did we have? We had a newspaper that literally shared the name and addresses of individuals that were approved in New York um, to carry a handgun. So it's not far stretched to say that someone that gets their, their hands on this information shares it and we get gun owners that are outed here in California. And what, what's the realistic danger there, Morgan? I think the danger, it, again, it goes back to um, those individuals and, and those potential consequences, the, the societal, the, the, the financial consequences, or potentially for people to be targeted um, by criminals knowing that they have firearms in their house. But also, you know, another big thing with research is I have to identify populations um, that are vulnerable populations, right? Um, children, people in prisons, mental health institutions, generally those, those are, are, are uh, vulnerable populations. But think about some of our California residents and why they are purchasing firearms or getting their concealed carry permits. We have people that are victims of sexual assault, of domestic violence. These are the most vulnerable populations that you could possibly identify in research. So the potential is, is that those people are now going to be even more exposed um, and they're going to suffer consequences beyond what maybe someone isn't in that same population might, might face. So are, are you aware of the, the, the NRA lawsuit, the NRA ILA wa lawsuit, are you aware it is part of the case that they're making that, uh, hey, we didn't give consent and that goes against your, uh, you know, uh, that's against the law to, to experiment on people without their consent? Is that an actual yeah. part of the lawsuit? Um, I don't know if that is. A, the What I had read, was, it was just very general. I think it's a very strong position for them to bring forward. Uh, the university is going to counter. They're going to say, look, it, we have this entire process that anyone that wants this information, they have to, you know, go through our institutional review board. Um, they have to show how they're going to protect participants' information. But again, the, the problem with that is the number of people that are going to have access to that data as this continues to, to go forward. And look, again, I'm all for research. I think the solution here is simple. If you are purchasing ammunition, if you're purchasing a firearm, it, you add a consent statement 
to that purchase. You let people on their own decide whether or not they want to participate um, in in this research. Um, and I think that's an easy way, or that's how I would counter the argument, because what they're going to say is if you look at UC Davis's standards, they're going to say, well, one of the exemptions is that we would not be able to gain access to this information. It's just impossible. Well, that's not true. You had a little box that says, would you like to participate in this research? Here's where you can get more information about how it'll be used. And then informed consent is now a possibility. Um, so for me, I, I really feel like UC Davis and anyone else that gets involved in this is really going beyond those ethical standards of research and, and getting that informed uh, consent consent. Morgan, what, what do you see as um, a potential benefit, say, to the public of, um, of these organizations having access to that information? Because, you know, if it was a, if it was some kind of neutral subject or something like that, I could say, all right, well, maybe. But, you know, gun ownership in this country is, is a pretty emotional subject, you know, for both sides. And, you know, universities and governments, particularly in California, don't have a great track record for, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing or keeping things confidential. So it, it seems like the risk is uh, to people is pretty great. So what's the potential benefits then of this? Let's just assume that we were able to truly partic um, protect people's individual information, right? That we, we maintain that standard no matter what. I think the benefit that is there um, or potential benefit is that we now have data that supports the position that law-abiding citizens, especially those that get their CCW permit, are far less likely to be involved in any crime to include traffic violations than other segments of the population, even than law enforcement officers. I think the data has the potential to demonstrate um, that increased firearm ownership does not correlate to increased crime um, for those individuals. So I think there's a, a there's definitely some potentials for gun owners if there is truly unbiased research being conducted, and and that may very well happen. You know, um, there may be researchers out there that truly go into it thinking one thing, and and they come out on the other end and they say, man, this this really did change my opinion and. And what I had um, thought the outcome was going to be, it's not the outcome. So it seems like, um, you know, like the specific examples you just gave, um, it seems like that information is already out there under, you know, from, from different sources. Like you're, you're familiar with the, um, the big study that was done in Florida with concealed carry holders uh, where they determined that they, what, they were arrested at one-sixth the rate of police officers things like that, right. because, you know, when you talk about crime and things, um, that if you're arrested for a crime or something like that, that becomes public. So that, that kind of information is out there. But it's um, it's, it's so, just... Oh, go ahead. Well, that's okay. Let's hold that thought no, no, for... Gonna, hey, let's uh, hold yeah. that hold that thought for one <laughs> second, my friend. We do have to go pay some bills. We'll come back with Morgan Bayless, Chief Firearms Instructor for Defensive Tactics and Firearms. Right here after the break, this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. Oh, the answer. 
right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. We are very proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates. They offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors. They provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Join them today. Members get great prices and free shipping. Learn more about them at National Concealed Carry Association.com. All right, Morgan, continue that thought. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to reset me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so talk more about... Um, you know what? Where do you think this is going to go? How, I know you're not not an attorney, and you didn't sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But if you had to guess, what do you think the uh, the crux of this case is going to be decided on? Um, I think what it's going to come down to. Well, first of all, I, I think that the position of the lawsuit is is great because what it's saying is that this information was given for law enforcement purposes with that sole intent. Um, both by the people that provided that information and as the state said it was going to be used, right? Um, so clearly, both of those assumptions w- were wrong as they now offer this up for a research study. Um, I-, I think what the other side is really going to focus on is that, hey, this information is protected and the the value gained, right? The benefit outweighs the risk because we're going to gain vital information on crime statistics on, on all these other things. Um, now I, I, I don't personally believe that, but I think that's the position that they're strongly going to take. They're going to go back to the institutional review boards and what are the standards for sharing this information and all the protections that they say are in place. You know, the, the information um, they're getting is, you know, name and address and type of firearm, right? I mean, that what what kind of research can be done with the type, with the information they're getting? I, I think what they what they would likely do is they're going to run criminal checks. They're going to run background checks on those individuals to some extent. Check criminal um, databases. Uh, maybe look at self-inflicted gunshot wounds to try to see if there's any correlation there. Um, possibly look at the time frame from which someone purchased a, a firearm and ammunition and when something happened, whether that be a crime um, or some sort, sort of injury or death. That That is what I would suspect yeah. that they're using it for. Um, and, I'm, and I'm not sure. That, but Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, but, you know, it, it's just, again, it's just who, who's getting that information? What is the definition of, of we we know because we've experienced this being on this side of the conversation that there are groups who claim to be doing research right, right. gun violence prevention research and and it's 100% biased it's with a political um, goal in mind um, and it really actually prevents us from having meaningful conversations in this space and and that that's a scary thing for for firearms owners um, in general. I agree, but the information that you that we just talked about and the the reason for it, you know, this isn't the only way to get it either. So, I guess what I'm saying is, the conclusions they're 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 going after, um, 
this isn't the only way they can get there. You know, they can go to, you know, hospital uh, reports, whatever. You know, there's other ways to do this. So it's not even like this is completely and totally necessary to even get to where they're going. The problem is once information's released, it's released. You can't, you know what I mean? You can't, you know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. 100%. And that's what goes back to the ethical side of of what they're claiming that this is for, is that you, you cannot truly protect that information. And we're talking about people's social security numbers, right? So another question I would ask is how is that information being shared between entities? How does the DOJ get that to the university? And if I submit a request for that information, how is that information then transferred to that next person, so on and so forth, right? Is that going out electronically? Is it a hard drive? And what are the risks even in just losing that individual information? They just throw um, it on it a... It might sound like a petty thing, but that that's that's a huge... Throw it on a, a spreadsheet and they uh, email it from their Yahoo account. I think is what. They- I mean that, that that's almost guaranteed to happen. Though. There's there's no way yeah. to reasonably keep that information secure. It's just not possible, you know. In that in yeah. that kind yeah. of a situation. Yeah, and you're completely correct. And the only way for some of this research that I would foresee it happening is they do have to have that information. They have to have the name and the social and those things to be able to gather that additional information to correlate whatever they're trying to look at. Um, and again, you, you cannot reasonably protect those people's information. And then we go back full circle to their consent was never given to begin with, right? Now, if I give you my consent, then that's what it is. So the simple solution is add it. Just add a little box set on whatever it is and let people decide whether or not they want to participate in the study. Yeah, well, you know, and then, of course, no one's going to participate, and I don't blame them. Because the other part of this is, how honestly, how much do you trust academia? You know what I mean? Like, how much do you trust them to come to a, a real true uh, conclusion? How much do you trust the, the science that you think that they're going to practice? Well, again, I, I think the potential is there um, for some real great research that, that can highlight um, the positive benefits, not just for individuals, but for society as a whole when, when um, law-abiding citizens have access to whatever self-defense means they deem is appropriate for them and their families. Um, but, you know, I think the assumption would, would lean more the other way where the majority of this research is going to be used um, probably with, with bias and negative intentions uh, to, to begin with. You know, and then I think another fair question to ask is you have an institution like UC Davis who controls this data. What is their willingness to allow that equal um, level of research? Are they only going to share it with people that maybe lean towards their own biases? Or are they willing to put the information out there um, that might contradict um, their own beliefs? And I th- it's a fair question to I th- ask. I think the catalyst, or maybe just just part of the catalyst, part of the reason that this that they're doing this in California is um, that the anti-gun groups are very mad that there are certain restrictions against information sharing and and that sort of thing on a federal level. You know, with the CDC and and the you know uh, ATF and that sort of thing. Um, how much do you know about that? Do you, do you, am I am I explaining that uh, well enough? Or how much do you know about the the, the restrictions or the firewalls that they have on the federal level. Right. Yeah. So, what, um, you know, without 
knowing the, the specific law or, you know, what was passed, but essentially um, Congress prevents the sharing of information um, based off of data that's collected for running your background check, right? right? So they can't then turn around and take that data to conduct, you know, research with it. Um, and, and to me, that goes back to not not wanting to conduct research, but the inability to protect and guard that information um, that is so sensitive in nature. Uh, and I, I think that's the right way to go. You let people decide whether or not they want to participate and expose themselves to those potential risks. Yeah, because I don't, I, it, I don't know. It's hard to uh, to trust that environment there. You know, it's like when we, uh, it's like when the uh, law enforcement th- deals with terrorists and things like that. You know, law enforcement only has to be, uh, or has to be right, or they have to win every time. The terrorist only has to win once. You know, it takes one social justice warrior at UC Davis to decide they're going to release a hundred thousand, um, you know, information on a hundred thousand gun owners, and it's done. It's out there. So it's just it doesn't seem like uh, you know it's a it's a viable thing to uh, think that they can keep it secure like that. But again, I don't think that's the intent either. I think there's there's always a a different or a hidden intent with this kind of stuff. Yeah, and you know, it, circling back to I think Mike asked a question earlier: How else could they do this, or is there a way they can do do this research? I think there's a way, you know. By asking the DOJ to add to some sort of, you know, add something to their annual statistics that they're providing or the data that they're providing, they already own that information. Expand maybe what they're reporting on to, you know, maybe cover some of those questions that are possibly going to be asked in research. I don't think that the, I think there's definitely people in this process who already believe the data is going to confirm whatever their position is. There, there's no doubt there, there's people that are there. Um, but I don't, I, I don't see how, what the possible gain is going to be um, for, for those individuals based off of the data that they're getting. I, there's too many either. It really, in place right now that, that can already provide some of that information. Yeah, it, it really just feels like it feels like so much of politics, uh, you know, it's, it, it is they drew a line in the sand and they said, hey, you know what? On the federal level, we're not going to release this type of information so that you can do research and use that research to ban guns. We're not going to do that. And so that line was drawn. And now, you know, the people on the other side of that 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 uh, line it doesn't matter if it's good or bad or, or whatever. They just okay. Well, now we have to, we have to fight on this side of the line. We have to take take on this opinion. So it doesn't matter how how fruitful or important or whatever. It doesn't matter if they can get this information or they can go about this another way. All that matters is hey, we're on this other side of this political line, and now we have to do everything we can to win. And that's that's what they're doing. Okay. Well, in California, we're going to go after the information that we think they should be using on the federal level. And, uh, you know, uh, it's not good government. What do you think, Jackson? Yeah, do you want I, your I information think... out there, buddy? Yes and no. Yes and no? All right. That's fair. It's a very balanced answer. What, uh, what, what, do you, what's, what, what do you fear about people knowing, knowing, knowing stuff about you? Over, like, private information and all that. That's why I don't want them to know that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, Morgan. He's eight years old, man. He gets it, you know. Yes, <clears throat> sometimes that's what you got to go back. I don't think you're far off, Mike. I, I think that it's um, 
let's chalk this up as another win. We're just going to tout that we're doing this. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this where this lawsuit goes. Um, again, I think their position is great in how they framed it. Um, and let's just hope that we can get another win uh, and, and stop this from going forward. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Thanks for coming on. That was a great, great segment. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a small break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96, AM 1170. The answer. All right, hey, clean, lube, and protect your guns faster and easier with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is an also a natural, non-toxic, environmentally friendly. Are you tired of smelling like a gas station after cleaning your guns? Well, try Seal One. Ask for it by name at your local gun shop. Clean your guns faster, better with Seal One. Hate smelling like a gas station. I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, man? Do you ever smell like a gas station, Jackson? Thankfully, not yet. <laughs> Thankfully, not yet. Seal one makes you hungry, though, doesn't it? Cleaning your gun because it smells it smells good. It smells good. <laughs> kind of smells delicious. Well, let me guess, like like Denny's spaghetti. Yeah, well, not quite that good. Man, no. oh man, he is so good at these. Not quite that. Good. Yeah, and actually, it looks uh, looks like something you'd want to use uh, chips with anyway. You know, if you get that. Uh, and it's organic, and and it's. I think they said you could eat it. It's. I think it's probably vegan. Oh my! Your your vegan gun cleaner. <laughs> I'm gonna ask him that next time I talk to Dwight. I'm gonna ask him if CL One is vegan. We had a vegan. We had a, a pro gun vegan on the show last week, Jackson. What do you think of that? That's very interesting. I thought so too. All right. Okay. Um, it is time for stump my nephew. Every week we take questions. If you email us a gun question and we use it on the air, we'll give you a hat or a shirt. If you stump my nephew, we will give you. I don't know what we're going to give you now. Front, so we we used to give you front site memberships, but that's kind of gone away. So we'll have to think of another really cool prize. A Michael um, Schwartz hug. A Michael go. Schwartz hug. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, okay, so uh, this one, Sam, are you there? Yeah. How are you guys? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. What do you, do you seal one? What do you what do you use to clean your guns with? Um, I'm kind of a traditionalist, so I use the, uh, I don't know how it's pronounced, Hoppies Hopes number nine. How, how is it pronounced? That's a, we should do a segment just on that. That was I, a good question. Well, how do you pronounce it, Joe? <laughs> I, I try not to, because I never know how to pronounce it. It really? looks like Hoppies, but I don't know. Jackson, how do you pronounce it? I've actually never heard of that, so I never don't know the it? proper way to pronounce it. <laughs> I've always, I was always taught uh, hoppies, but then I, I, as an adult, everybody starts calling it hops and whatever. All right, my friend, you and I probably learned from the same guy to, to use hoppies. Where did you, you pick up hoppies, Sam? Uh, my dad always used it when I was a kid, so oh, that's, that's sort of what I use. I don't. Um, I, I prefer that over the all-in-one like CLP stuff for certain types of cleaning um, because if I, like if I'm, I'm doing a really detailed cleaning I like having two different dedicated liquids that each do one specific thing but for just cleaning handguns usually yeah I use some kind of a CLP 
just quick. I'm actually with you on that too. I, like the the all, the two in ones where it's a cleaner and a lubricant. To me, it was like you remember those TVs you used to buy with a built in VCR, and the VCR wasn't that good, and the TV wasn't that good. I'd rather get a good TV and a good VCR. <laughs> I do not remember the TV. I don't remember that. Do you? all right. Ours. All right, all right. That's enough of that. That's enough dating Schwartz. Okay, my friend, you got a you got a question for my nephew. Yes. All right, fire it up. All right, so Chad from Huntington Beach asks, why is the Desert Eagle considered a hybrid firearm? Oh, that's an interesting question. Chad from Huntington Beach, thanks for writing in. Um, Now, for those of you, well, never mind. Everyone knows what the Desert Eagle is. Um, So I, I haven't heard it referred to as a hybrid firearm before. But uh, to give you a little bit of mechanical information that might explain that, um, it appears to use a conventional slide externally, and it it does have a slide. Um, But there's also a bolt concealed within that, and it's a gas-operated pistol. It's piston-driven. So it... um, I haven't actually taken one apart, so I haven't had a really good look at the internals. But from what I've heard, it uses... Uh, a thin gas tube like in an AR-15 to drive the gas back into the piston, but I don't know if that's entirely accurate. Anyway, the slide acts like a bolt carrier instead of a bolt, and there's another rotating bolt inside. So it, it functions kind of like a lot of rifles. <laughs> that's pretty That's pretty uh, dead on there. Part pistol, part revolver, and part rifle, the Desert Eagle features characteristics from all three types of firearms. Usually found on rifles, the Desert Eagle, or Deagle for short, uses a gas blowback system, which you described, but like the AR, Sam, and a multiple tooth bolt face that's typically found on rifles. Uh, multiple tooth bolt face. That's like, like a Remington 700, I think, has a, has a multiple tooth bolt face, right? Is that right? The, the 700 has a two lug rotating bolt. Um, what, uh, what you see on like the AR-15, AR-10, Johnson rifles with the uh, like six to eight lugs um that's that's the multiple uh, tooth a little bit face. more of a distinctive feature that's that's uh, used to be less common but it uh has some advantages gotcha well that makes sense because they're both they're both basically gas blowback systems the gun is fed with a detachable magazine a common feature in modern pistols finally the desert eagle fires cartridges cartridges with higher pressures that only revolvers could historically handle 357 magnum 44 magnum the biggest round it shoots is a 50 caliber A-E. And my cousin's looking for one. <laughs> really? Well, good luck. That's what I tried to tell him. That's awesome, man. Why do you know about a Desert Eagle? Uh, it's iconic enough as a firearm, and I don't use that word lightly. It is iconic enough that um, it, it kind of behooves anyone who's in this sphere to know at least a little bit about it. I, that's, that's accurate. Where, where does it originate from? Um, it was designed in Israel um, at either IMI or IWI, and um, then the design was bought by Magnum Research, which makes them today. Um, and Magnum Research is owned by the same parent company as Car Arms. There you go, Joe. That clear everything up for you? Cleared it up for me. <laughs> That's awesome, wow. Sam. Good job. I uh, I don't have. Uh, did you hear what happened with Front Sight? Uh, no, I didn't hear. What's up? They're charging a bunch of fees now, so people are uh, everybody's jumping ship. The uh, that the uh, uh, charity shoot that we took you to a couple years ago that's not going on anymore. It's been canceled. So 
so yeah, so I don't know if we're going to give uh, front site memberships anymore as a grand prize. We're going to have to figure out something else. No, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that all that's going on. I hope uh, everything gets sorted out there. As do I. As do well, I. your uncle's having a total meltdown. He's been kicking and screaming for two hours. I, I got to tell you, we 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 have we have we have plans in the works, don't we, Joe? We do. We yeah. do. We have plans in the works. We think Answer we're gonna works. you're gonna fix them. We're gonna fill. We're, we think we're gonna fill the gap. There you go. Let's put it that way. All right, Sam. Thank you so much. Good job, Jackson, for reading the question. Thank you, Sam. You guys are both awesome. Thanks very much for having me on. As always. Hey, man, are you coming to Gun Prom June eighteenth? Um, not sure if I'm going to be able to make it, but hopefully. That sounds like a yes. I, I don't want to commit to anything, but I would like to. How about if they send you an airline ticket? Oh, we definitely would do that. It's it's not the difficulty of getting out there. It's um, whether or not I will have other obligations. Yeah. You are, well, fly out. He's a, well, he's a very important guy. Doesn't he have an airplane? He's got, uh, yes. Yeah, fly your airplane out. Come on. Take you what a trip. Wouldn't that be a cool trip? It would, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it would. <laughs> It'd be a long, strange trip. Those are the best kind. All right, my friend. Well, hopefully, we'll see you at Gun Prom. All right, yeah, I hope to see you there and talk to you next week. All right, take care, buddy. All right, good night. Bye. All right, it's been a while, but uh, it is time for a mic drop. Oh, you're gonna do one. Mic drop. Jack Shu is new to the La Mesa City Council. He is recently elected, and I don't think La Mesa realizes just how much his views differ from theirs. Jack is a political extremist across the board. His background is environmental issues, but recently Jack delved into civil rights. No, not supporting civil rights. That's something Jack claims to have done in the past. No, this time Jack is going after your civil rights. Jack decided that his city council knows better than La Mesa residents do when it comes to defending their life when they're inside their homes. Jack, for no reason other than to appease special interests, has instructed La Mesa staff to waste their time drawing up the same firearm storage regulation that San Diego passed. If passed, single women who are home alone and hoping to stay safe have to be touching their firearm at all times or it has to be locked away or in a safe or taken apart so that it is inoperable just to comply with the law. This regulation has nothing to do with kids. There's already a state law that makes it illegal for you to, uh, to allow unauthorized access of a firearm to a child. It doesn't stop criminals. It's already illegal to steal guns. It doesn't have to do with CCWs at all. It only applies to your gun when inside your home. What Jack wants to do is punish a single vulnerable woman who leaves her gun on her nightstand for protection. He wants to make sure that when a robber or rapist is breaking down your bedroom door, that there are a few more steps between you and the most effective self-defense tool ever created, your gun. Jack... La Mesa gave you a chance. It's time they know who the real you is. And an extreme, res- res- uh, an extreme regulation designed to disarm victims of crime is the perfect way of showing La Mesa that they should never vote for you again. And that is this week's Mic Drop. Mic Drop. Nice. <laughs> Did you like that, Jackson? Yeah. Well, high praise, my friend. I think that's the first mic drop you've heard since you've been on the show, isn't it? Probably so. Probably so. I think so. Yeah, maybe next week we'll do another uh, You Don't Know Jack, son. You don't know Jack, son. You good old Andy. <laughs> he fixed that one. Cool. Hey, folks, subscribe to our show on YouTube, and when you watch a video, 
make sure you hit the thumbs up button. And please support all our great sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners. Make sure you join. U.S. Law Shield needs to be in your back pocket. The Dillon Law Group. Hope you never need them. PRMI Mortgage. Got to get a new house. Scott Vincent at Coldwell Banker Royalty Realty. At least you get in the right neighborhood. Sage Street Web's Web Development. Quit wasting money on other companies. National Concealed Carry Association. Got to have those. Seal One. Don't want to stink. And American Shooters in El Cajon. And thanks to Joe Jermisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, Action Jackson, and the wild one in the box, Brendan Thomas. Right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.